We have been in a brief study on the birth of Christ from Luke 2, 8 through 14. And we come again to that section today, and I will read that again. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, for today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Just to recap, if you were not here, we talked about the region that the shepherds were in, and that region was what? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, which was a very small town or village six miles south of Jerusalem. We talked about how the shepherds were regarded as the lowest of the low and were not accepted by the Jewish religious leaders because they failed to keep the Sabbath because they had to work on the Sabbath. They were despised by most in society and were not highly regarded. However, they were faithful. They were faithful to watch over their sheep and to guard and to protect them from all hurt, harm, and danger, no matter what the cost. They would go to any length to protect their sheep. And literally, we talked about how they would lay down right in front of the entrance to the sheepfold or the sheep gate. So they would know if any sheep were about to go in or go out or try to go out. Despite what man thought of them, God chose them to be the first to hear of the announcement that Jesus had been born. God's ways are truly not our ways. Remember how we talked about how there had been no appearances of angel for some 400 years? So the fact that they were terribly frightened, or as it says in the King James, sore afraid, is quite understandable. We talked about how the angel was bringing good news 
to them. And it was not just for them, but for all of the people, every tongue, tribe, and nation. So let's pick up in verse 11 today, where Luke says, For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Paul says in Galatians 4, 4, it's a great passage, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's verse 5 as well. When Jesus came, everything was right. It was right politically. It was right socially. It was right economically. This past week, we went to see well, 100th anniversary performance of Handel's Messiah. Messiah is probably, my family can attest to that, is probably my favorite event to attend during Christmas time. All of the pieces in Handel's Messiah are for the most part taken directly from the Holy Scriptures. Beautiful. It was quite a highlight and definitely makes my Christmas celebration that much richer. We have been going through a book called The Handel's Messiah family advent reader for many, many years. Basically, it goes through about 30 readings leading up to the birthday of Christ. Most of the readings correspond to a piece from Handel's Messiah. After the reading, there is normally a song from Messiah that we play to accompany the reading. In one of the readings, during the third week of Advent, the scripture passage was from Luke 2, 10 through 11. The authors of the book said this. The shepherds did not care. what day it was that Christ had come among them. Only that he had come. It was not what day that mattered to them, but this day. This was the day that a Savior had been born. 
This was the day to rejoice. This was the day to meet him. This was the day to spread the good news. It is the same for us. Now is the day of our salvation. This day, December 25th, 2022, this day. The day for Christmas matters little. Christmas Day, this day, and every future day, we have a Savior with us. This is the day to meet him. This is the day to spread the good news. This is the day of the Lord. Let us be rejoice and be glad in it. We know that the city of David is the same as Bethlehem. Before in verse 10, the angel told the shepherds that the good news would be for how many people? All the people. And here he is more specific and says that there has been born for you a savior. Jesus is the savior for everyone who believes in him. The angel did not give the earthly name of Jesus as Matthew did in Matthew 121, where he says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Savior, Christ, and Lord, those are all titles. As a reminder, the name Jesus means, my children know that sometimes I'll just, sometimes give them a Hebrew word, Yeshua, like from Joshua. The Lord is salvation. Its meaning is wrapped up by the title Savior. The title Savior is most fitting for him because later in Luke 19.10, Luke says, for the Son of Man has come to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. Someone may say, but what are we saved from? And I like the way R.C. Sproul puts it when he says, we are saved by God, for God, from God. He basically says, we are saved from the wrath of God. The good news is that Jesus came as a baby to rescue and deliver people from sin and guilt. Christ is a very exalted and lofty name for a tiny little baby born in a stable in such humble means. The name Christ means anointed one. 
This refers to someone who has a high office and is worthy of all honor and exaltation. Jesus was anointed first off by the mere fact that he is God's anointed and appointed king. Namely, the king of kings. John says in Revelation 17, 14, These will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And those who are with him are called are the called and chosen and faithful. In Revelation 19, 16 is worth turning to Revelation 19, 16. And John says, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not only is that baby in the manger the King of Kings, but he is also the great high priest. The writer to Hebrews says in Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. In 1 Timothy 2.5, we know that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. For Paul says, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The writer to Hebrews also talks about how Christ is Savior. He says, Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Not only was the baby Jesus a king and priest, but he was also anointed as a prophet. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the whole world. The word Lord, in Luke 2, the word Lord, is a word that speaks of respect and esteem and is given to someone who has an authoritative and leadership role. In biblical times, slave owners were called Lord and the slaves called their masters Lord. When someone called someone Lord, it was to acknowledge that they were over you and you were under them. It essentially meant that the one who was called Lord had authority or rulership over you. When Luke uses Lord, however, here, it means something so much more than just ownership and rulership and authority. It is not just a high title given to Jesus, beloved. It is a divine title. To call Jesus Lord is to call him God. This is really basic 
to Christianity. When you say that Jesus is Lord, you are in essence saying that he is God. If a person does not declare that Jesus is God, he cannot and is not saved. In verse 12, the angel told the shepherds that this will be the sign by which they will be able to find the baby Jesus. He said you will find a baby wrapped in what? Cloths lying in a manger. You know, it would not have helped them very much if the angel had told them that the baby would be wrapped in cloths. Because in those days, all Jewish babies were wrapped in cloths. <laughs> if someone did not wrap their baby in cloths, this showed that they really did not love or care for their baby. It was really unthinkable for someone not to wrap their baby in cloths. Swaddling was not a sign of poverty. It was a sign that the parents loved their baby and knew how to take proper care of it. I remember a loving pastor telling us, and even our doctors, when we were having our children one after another, and we were told to swaddle them, to wrap them tightly, and they would be there, and they felt so comforted and were comfort, comfortable, and they would not be fussy, but very, very loving thing to do to swaddle a baby. There are many reasons that people thought that it was a good idea to tightly swaddle their babies with long strips of cloth. Many people thought that it made the baby strong and helped to straighten its little legs and body. According to one expert, the child must be swaddled to give his little body a straight figure, which is most decent and convenient for a man and to accustom him to keep upon the feet or else he would go upon all four feet as most animals do. Other people felt that by swaddling your baby, you would keep them from hurting themselves. They also felt that swaddling helped to keep the baby warm and made them easy to carry. So parents swaddled their babies because they loved and cared for them and wanted to protect them. Swaddling is a very loving and caring thing to do, but it can also mean to tie up, control, hold down, restrain, and restrict. Can you fathom the fact that baby God was swaddled? So as I mentioned before, it would not help the shepherds very much to find a baby that was swaddled. But what did help them is that the angel said that the baby would be born in a what? In a manger. Jewish mothers did not usually put their babies in a manger or a feeding trough. It was not common that they would just go and find a feeding trough and say, this is where I'm going to keep my baby. That was not the common thing. 
This would help to narrow the shepherd's search down. What a difference with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords coming into this world, not in an, in an exalted state, but in a lowly way, born in an animal's feeding box. This is a big difference from the titles of his name as prophet, priest, and king. Paul says it well in Philippians 2, 7, where he says, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. In other words, Jesus laid aside, as you will, his divine attributes for just a time and became a servant, a bondservant. In verses 13 and 14 of Luke 2, it says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Luke says there was a multitude. We don't know exactly how many of the millions of angels there were. In the original, 10,000 is the highest highest number for which there was a word. Multitude lets us know that it was a large number and too large of a number that does not show up in the Bible. Just as the shepherds were doing what they always do, which was shepherding. The angels were doing what they always do, and that was none other than praising God. It was as if all of heaven rejoiced when Jesus was born, the reason the angels were praising God was because of the glory of God. The angels were giving glory to God in the highest, which is none other than the heavens. They were giving glory to God. On earth is the lowest of places in comparison to heaven. The peace that the angels were speaking about is the peace that comes from salvation. Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace comes from faith in Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. It is like the verse in the curl we sang this morning. Hark the herald, angels sing. Here the hymn writer says, God and sinners are what? Reconciled. Beloved, everyone is longing and looking for peace. Luke is telling us that the peace is only for those whom God is well pleased. And this is by no means talking about someone getting peace with God by doing some good works. That is nowhere taught in scripture. One commentator says the phrase means salvation peace belongs to those to whom God is pleased to give it. It is not a reward for those who have goodwill, but a gracious gift to those who are the objects of God's good will. These are some thoughts from a book called the miracle of Christmas. The turning point of history. The birth of Jesus Christ next to his crucifixion 
was the most momentous event in the history of the world. It became the focal point of all history. Everything before Christ looked forward to his birth, and everything since then looks back at him. It was such a crucial event that now all the world numbers years according to it. B.C. means before Christ, and A.D. means in a Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And I remember that very clearly because we had that phrase printed on our wedding invitation, in the year of our Lord. Jesus made an impact on the world that has never been and never will be equaled by any mere man. In all the annals of the human race, no one is like him. He never wrote a book. He never held political power. He was not wealthy or particularly influential in his lifetime. Yet, he altered the world completely. In fact, no other human being has affected history remotely like he has. He has been opposed, hated, fought, censored, banned, and criticized in every generation since his birth. Yet his influence continues unabated. After nearly 2,000 years, the impact of his life goes on so powerfully that it is safe to say not a day passes but that lives are revolutionized by his teaching. So what child is this? Some say he was a good teacher. But good teachers don't claim to be God. Some say he was merely a good example. But good examples don't mingle with prostitutes and sinners. Some say he was a madman. But madmen don't speak the way he spoke. Some say he was a crazed fanatic. But crazed fanatics don't draw children to themselves or attract men of intellect like Paul or Luke, to be their followers. Some say he was a religious phony, but phonies don't rise from the dead. Some say he was only a phantom, but phantoms can't give their flesh and blood to be crucified. Some say he was only a myth, but myths don't, let, don't set the calendar for history. Jesus has been called the ideal man an example of love, the highest model of religion, the foremost patron of virtue, the greatest of all men, and the finest teacher who ever lived. All of those descriptions capture elements of his character, but they all fall short of the full truth. The apostle Thomas expressed it perfectly when he saw Jesus after the resurrection and exclaimed, My Lord and my God. Beloved, next time it will be different. The first time Jesus came, he came veiled in the form of a child. A star marked his arrival. Wise men brought him gifts. There was no room for him. Only a few attended his arrival. He came as a baby. The next time Jesus comes, 
He will be recognized by all. Heaven will be lit by his glory. He will bring rewards for his own. The world won't be able to contain his glory. Every eye shall see him. He will come as sovereign king and Lord of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day and we think of Christ's first coming as we celebrate and we think of him coming as a baby born in stable where animals were and not only that but to be placed in an animal's feeding box coming in the humblest of means yet we cry and shout along with the angels glory glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men and you have come to give us that peace you being the prince of peace. So we come before you this day, this blessed Lord's Day, this day we celebrate your birthday. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And it's in your blessed, your glorious, your wondrous name, the name in which the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. It is in that name that we pray.